Welcome to the SMB Community Podcast with your hosts, Amy Babinchak, James Kernan, and Carl Polichuk. Produced by and for the Small Biz Thoughts community. We're dedicated to making every IT professional a successful IT professional. Are you still relying on a frustrating patchwork of legacy solutions? Modernize your cybersecurity and data protection with Acronis CyberProtect Cloud. It's a single solution that combines backup, anti-malware, and endpoint protection management. As an MSP, you can easily improve client security posture, eliminate complexity, and generate more recurring revenue. Learn more about Acronis CyberProtect Cloud at acronis.com. Hi, this is Carl. Welcome to another SMB Community Podcast. I'm joined today by Vadim Peskov from Diffco. Uh, and the uh, e- email or the website is diffco.us. Welcome, sir. Hello, hello. How are you doing today? Very good. So you are the founder and CEO of, of Diffco, and the company focuses on developing mobile AI and computer vision solutions. So you help develop mobile apps for mostly midsize and larger companies. Is that correct? Yes, we also work with a lot of startups, uh, help them to build uh, successful businesses as well. All righty. So tell me a little bit about your background. How did you get here? <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a quite, quite a story. So we started like 13 years ago, actually, uh, and uh, uh, was uh, starting uh, primarily with uh, web applications that was doing in a time, and it was, again, 2008. And... Uh, uh, was kind of a crisis if uh, someone is remembering uh, this part. And a uh, long time ago, we decided, okay, it's a crisis. We don't have a lot of things to do. Let's start a business. So it was a quite an idea back then. So this was the financial crisis of 2008. Absolutely, yes. All right. And back then I was uh, CEO uh, of uh, one uh, production company back then. And uh, uh it was uh, young and uh, ambitious and decided, like, okay, let's start the business. Uh, it's, uh, it was quite interesting story. And uh, uh, primarily for the most few years was mostly dealing with different web projects. Back then, it was no mobiles, it was no iPhone, uh, primarily back then. Uh, and uh, moved to mobile applications, uh, different uh, custom applications, Start doing a lot of work for startups, uh, a lot of work for um, different enterprises. Uh, moved here uh, to Bay Area and started primarily dealing with the startups. All righty. And so um, you you started with mobile apps and then you moved to AI. So um, tell me, first of all, how do you define AI with regard to mobile apps? What does artificial intelligence mean? Yeah, so it's quite a general term right now <laughs> uh, and like it's everything is AI now it's, right. uh, it's uh, primarily right now uh, what we specifically do we do a lot of things in computer regions that primarily run on a device on, an, on the servers so it could be some type of recognition let's say um, different type of object recognition like uh, signs or uh, ID recognition, face recognition, any type of basically recognition, text recognition. Um, so we run these type of uh, things on a mobile devices and some of this is run on a server basically. 
So when you say uh, mobile devices, so not just phones, but tablets as well? Yeah, um, any mobile devices and like uh, the primary cause right now is everyone just using mobiles uh, nowadays. And yeah, with 5G, we have more ability to process things online, but we have a lot of things that we can do on a phone and really, really reduce the cost. Um, again, the combination here is a key. We can just like do everything on the device. We still need to match it, et cetera. But um, this is the, was a general idea back then. So without uh, breaking any, uh, you know, intellectual property laws here, <laughs> uh, can you give me an example of a, a mobile app that you have helped develop for a, uh, a mid-sized company? Yeah, absolutely. So I can give you a more general examples. So, so more, more specific stuff will be on our, our website, but um, like uh, different, a uh, few different examples. So we helped with uh, development of uh uh, different application for police departments where they was uh, doing different type of uh, recognitions for IDs, for uh, license plates, uh, as well as for different type of tattoos. Uh, and we had quite interesting project when we did a recognition for different type of drugs that they found in. So uh, this was a quite a interesting project uh, for the government. Uh, for other things, uh, we did a lot of things in a chatbot industry, basically when uh, we need to suggest something to user when they do uh, almost real conversations, um, this type of approaches. Um, and again, we can dive deeper, but I think this is a general understanding. So we primarily focus on a business application. We don't really go into develop uh, in any games, but only on a business side, right. mostly so B2B size. It's mostly achieving some specific outcome, not playing a game, right? So, so with the with the uh, things like facial recognition and um, uh, and even the tattoo recognition stuff, uh, one of the first questions that comes up with AI is um, paying attention to the ethical side of how it is used, uh, and you know, I know you know this, but police departments all over are being sued for using AI improperly or for uh, not paying attention to the biases that are built in from the start. So how do you avoid or how do you address the ethical side of this? Yeah, thanks uh, for this question, actually. I think like, like one half year ago I was writing the article about this because AI doesn't know uh, what humanity decided about any ethical side of things. Right. And <laughs> It's just don't care about this, to be honest. It's just like, like okay, uh, if we see this, this, so it just don't think it's appropriate to add something. So it's, again, we don't have any like general intelligence. We have just algorithms that do some type of recognition. So we're not here yet. So it's not a Skynet. It will be soon, but it's still in the process. So... Uh, in terms of like uh, avoiding any biases, so you're building new rules, generally speaking, because um, in reality, yeah, AI doesn't know the things uh, and will not probably will never know if you don't teach it and if you not give these options. And especially when we're talking about, again, when we're talking about the police departments, uh, they have a rights to do certain things. That's a one example. But if we go to commercial side of things, um, it's much more complicated because in reality, 
um, not only with us, but like in the marketing general, a lot of people just clicking, agree and agree and agree, and they never actually opening the privacy policy. Uh, right. Okay. In reality, I, I will not think that anyone will go and read this, but anyways, they will, they just don't care. And in reality, it's almost no privacy in, in current internet right now. Right. So with the, um, with the AI, do you have any discussion with clients about the ethics side of things? Or, um, I mean, when they come to you and say, I want to do this, do you ever have a, a, a committee or a, some process of making sure that, that there are no unintended consequences? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I can give you a few uh, examples. One example was a review, you know, when we was analyzing the reviews of different users. Um, and uh, I will just keep the small part about like uh, reviews in the restaurants. And uh, as you can imagine, a lot of people writing a, quite a story in the reviews about the restaurants. And it's quite intense sometimes. Yeah, uh, but we're trying to understand and give the actual rating, what, not they, what they put is like uh, one of, out of five because the gazpacho was cold because right. it's a lot of reviews like this. Uh, but anyway, so we need to define what is correct and what is appropriate there. And this is uh, quite a game. And uh, generalization here is a key because again, we don't really giving the exact answer to a specific uh, uh, person about their review. So this is not really critical here. But uh, when we had another project, when we, for example, was working in a, uh, with the photos of uh, different kids um, and uh, to use AI in this term is quite interesting because it was trying to help to create a photos. Uh, newborn photos uh, using different type of templates um, and AI and morphing uh, solutions. Quite an interesting project, uh, but again, the kids protected in a little bit different way than just an adult. And right. to use this data as appropriate is quite a challenge. Um, and we implemented a lot of rules regarding this and uh, uh, we need to store it securely and run a lot of other things. And basically in a lot of cases, this type of application starting cost as a, like a banking application just because they need to work on the data uh, so securely. Yeah, so the, the, uh, the security of the data plus making sure you're compliant with laws. Uh, I could see how that would totally drive up the cost. So do you work with small, with you know, IT consultants who say, hey, my client needs an app. Uh, I don't know where to start. <laughs> Can they start with you? <laughs> oh yeah. So in a lot of cases, uh, we have basically a few different type of clients that know what they want to do. And they think that what they know, uh, that they know what to do basically. <laughs> uh, because in a lot of cases, they have a small description or something. They have an idea basically, but they don't really have the project planned. So it's like a few pages of description is not giving you the actual project plan. And even a design not giving you a full project plan. So uh, we implemented the thing that we call right now internally the discovery phase. When we do the documentation, the PRDs, the R&Ds, uh, all proper technical specification, all wireframing, user story, everything. And this allow us to actually plan what should be there, how it should work. Because in a lot of 
situation. Um, this is like quite limited uh, in terms of like what client wants and uh, what the project actually should be about. In a lot of cases, it doesn't involve really deep dive in a product side of things. They just like, okay, we want a, a marketplace that will do this. It's amazing, but in the same time, I have just one question, like, should we actually think about the product, how the product should work, uh, what the benefits for the product sides, uh, what customer actually gets. And uh, this is actually, again, this is why we have this uh, first stage uh, when we do all this. So when you have things like uh, you've got the uh, license plate um, recognition and so forth, are there times where you unintentionally uh, have access to um, personal data that you just have to be super aware of, <laughs> you know, what you've uncovered uh, as you're going along creating these applications? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, the license plates and like all other things is uh, quite an interesting type of data. And we need to always be concerned about what we do with this. Uh, again, generally, um, we completely separate things when we touch the data and we when we don't touch the data because um, in a lot of cases, uh, if we need to touch the data for whatever reason ourselves or if our team need to touch the data, for example, first of all, we want to limit uh, who actually will be touching this data, first of all. The second is make sure that it's a secure environment and uh, uh, no one can just take the data out and do something with this. Um, and just do a lot of logins. And again, it really depends on a critical level of this data because license plate alone, for example, it's not so critical. If we're talking about, for example, IDs, photos of ID, now it's become much more critical. Right. But if we can connect this together, this is, again, <laughs> uh, much more deeper uh, stuff that uh, we need to be aware of. And again, different uh, processes that, that we set up and we, typically separate this between different environments and just like if you touch the data you just live in a specific place not uh, anything else so um if i've got a client how do you engage with me do you have me sit down with the client and you um because my guess is as a consultant i know more than the client about the technology the client knows more than i do about their needs and uh, and their environment. So do you sit down with all of us and say, okay, let me just help organize your world? <laughs> it really depends on, the, on your experience. So if you know what to do in terms of mobiles um, and in terms of this type of projects, um, it would be quite uh, interesting to just first have a meeting together and just sit on the table and discuss what is going on. Um, because in a lot of cases, we need to start not from like, hey, we want to develop this. We want to uh, ask a question why you want to develop this, how it should work and what exactly it should do. Because in a lot of cases, we have a situation when clients comes to us and like, hey, we want to develop the application that uh, will help our marketplace to drive customers. It's great, but in the same time, uh, how it should work they don't have a full understanding. It's like in other uh, 10 hundred uh, different competitors that are doing absolutely the same. So we need to understand the strategy, what is actually different there. And yeah, so we start with uh, open conversations 
And uh, it's great if we have uh, someone who can actually uh, be on a technical side from client or consultant side. So it's totally fine if it's both. So it's not a problem. Uh, yeah, so this is how it's typically done. So um, you mentioned the discovery phase. So, you know, when I teach project management, I always bemoan the fact that in small business, nobody wants to pay for a discovery phase. <laughs> so uh, do you charge for that uh, discovery uh, part? Yeah, we do. Um, and uh, basically, we don't do this as like a small things. It's a full scale discovery when we need to dive deeper and understand. And I had so many projects that comes to us that didn't done any discovery and they failed. Like literally like <clears throat> a week ago, I had a conversation with a client that spent two years of work. They have no documentation. They don't understand basically what the actual project look like. So they have a design and almost complete project. They don't have two test cases. They don't really understand what is inside. And they have a technical description, uh, specifically two pages of technical descriptions. It's like, yes, we understand uh, everything. And like, hey, how much time it will uh, take to fix it? Like, we will start with documentation, guys. <laughs> right. We, we need to understand what the project is about. And again, uh, they spent more than half a mil on this. Mm. Uh, and it's just like wasted, absolutely wasted. Uh, because in reality, uh, we typically do this type of projects in like three, four months time frame. They spent two years. Wow. So it's like, what's the no idea of where they're going or how they're going to get there? Yeah. And again, or we can start just like without discovery phase in one term if client proficient and if they have correct product managers uh, on their side that can line up everything. Totally fine. We definitely can do this and we're happy to do it. But in a lot of cases, we still need to have a reference. We need to have this documentation done, even in pieces. So it doesn't need to be like a, a 500 pages document that we will wait before we start anything. But we can start even in a week, but we need to finish this. And like, again, discovery phase, uh, typically it's around two, three weeks. So it's not really the problematic cost. Right. So what kinds of things do um, businesses want apps for? Uh, you know, I, I'm just trying to figure out, like, if I buy uh, you, I, I hire you to create a facial recognition app. Why would I do that? Like, what am I trying to do? Identify people who come into my store or? It's possible use cases. Uh, uh Generally, uh, for facial recognitions, um, I can name you a few examples. So one of them is uh, mostly when we will talk about uh, identification. So when we need to understand that this client is this client, basically. Uh, it could be some uh, KYC situation when we need to check, uh, for example, his uh, facial recognition data with his government ID. So we need to double check, hey, on the driver license, you have a different photo and it's a different person. <laughs> so we don't like this. We will send it to manual review. And maybe you have a quite amazing haircut or maybe the, <laughs> the person did a not a great job with your photo, which is like 100% case of, of cases, but anyway. 
Um, this is one example uh, that uh, could happen. Uh, recognition uh, inside the store, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, a lot of systems that currently do this, and a lot of this system is closed systems. So you can do a lot of things with this data. But if you want to do some kind of recommendations based on this, yeah, sure, make total sense. Uh, so again, it probably will not be done on a mobile level. It probably will be done on a level of um, like a, um, some surveillance system integration. So it will be a little bit different case. But again, something that we obviously can do, it not a problem. It's just different stream of uh, video. And again, uh, recognition of faces is one example. Sometimes it's just more about objects. So when you want to verify something or when you want to suggest something. So with the mobile, um, do you ever get into anything related to uh, like driving or something where, you know, there, there might be tension between me using a mobile app and driving at the same time because I should be looking at the road, not the app. Right? <laughs> you should, you should probably. Um, again, uh, in the latest iOS and Androids, we have uh, different types of mode for this. Um, and a lot of apps right now, nowadays, uh, prevent you from uh, just clicking and starting doing something on a mobile. And uh, I know the ways I think doing this and Google Maps decided not to do this because actually it's create much more dangerous environments in reality because people still do this. I mean, um, to be honest, people eat on the road and this is also dangerous. Right. Sometimes much more dangerous than just using a phone, but it's not against the law. So again, uh, the mobile uh, part, yeah, people shouldn't do this, but at the same time, maybe the right answer here is not to block it because we don't have a real blockage unless person agreeing to this. Sometimes it's just something that, for example, Spotify do. If it recognizes you on a mobile device that you connected to CarPlay, for example, it will just make everything big so you will be able to click faster. Yeah. I've noticed uh, from time to time, this hasn't happened a lot, but every once in a while, I see somebody applying uh, like eyelashes. They're like curling their eyelashes while they're driving. And I always think that should be illegal. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so, so do you have any, can you give some guidance of like what it costs, you know, uh, mobile apps? So it's like, the, the top end is in the millions, obviously. Where's the bottom end? Is it 100,000, 300,000? Yeah, um, it really depends on a, what we're we trying to create here. Uh, we currently start on around like uh, 50,000 as a minimal budget. Um, uh, in reality, the typical project, um, if we go with a, uh, like, it's like general situation in the market, actually, to be honest. Uh, we'll have something between like uh, uh, 100,000 and 150 is like uh, some reasonable MVP, I would say. So that's something that uh, if people have, have a project that they need to have, that's sort of a place where they could start budgeting. At least they have some idea what they're talking about. And again, it's always like uh, open conversation because what will be in a project? If we can complete it in a month, it's one discussion. If we can complete it in uh, uh, three months, it's a little bit different budgeting. 
So that's why, again, uh, in a lot of cases, we can do simple things. And again, I almost like push sometimes our customer to don't try to create complicated things. Let's do a simple project that will be launched as quickly as possible. And after we'll see what is going on in reality, if customers actually need your product. This is like uh, sometimes much more interesting discussion if they actually need it. So that's why uh, the MVP part here is really, really critical. But again, if you start adding more complex things or if you need any type of like security compliance, for example, if it's like healthcare applications, this become much more bigger discussion when we need to understand what actually should be there and should we include um, uh, and do the security. Because if we do the security, the cost obviously uh, will increase. Right, especially with something like healthcare, which has all kinds of uh, laws around it. Um, you know, we used to do programming, uh, database programming, a uh, long time ago. And uh, what I, one of the things I discovered is that people always want to start out without a budget. And then when you force them into a budget, then they have sticker shock. Uh, but then they keep adding features and adding features and adding features. And, you know, that whole lack of planning just makes everything uh, more cumbersome and more expensive. And I think a lot of people don't get that. It's, it's better to do a little planning and have some idea where you're going and then get there by a reasonable route. <laughs> 100% agree. And uh, to be honest, uh, when we're talking about software, we always need to define that actually the right software product development never ends. It's continued with new versions, with new functionality. If you stop the developments, probably your product is dead, not because something else. Um, and yet some exception to this, but again, the planning here is a key and I know the documentation is hard, um, but I always encourage people to have at least something because in reality, um, if you start adding multiple developers into team and you don't have a proper documentation, oh no, it will, will not go as planned. <laughs> <laughs> so the website is diffco, D-I-F-F-C-O dot U-S and folks can engage you there. We're also going to put your links to uh, social media, Facebook and LinkedIn. Uh, so if folks want to connect and see some of your projects, um, is there a particular project that you have enjoyed working with uh, the most? Oh, it's a lot of projects that I have enjoyed working the most. <laughs> like. Uh, probably around like 60 or more percentage is under NDA, so they're not public yet. And <clears throat> they probably will not be in the nearest uh, years. But the point is, um, I mean, I really enjoy working in a project when we have, uh, when we can drive this uh, product and create really sustainable business from the, uh, the, the application um, or from, like doesn't matter if it's mobile or web, uh, it's totally fine. The point is um, to create a working product. My specialty is in a business application. So I do a lot of B2B SaaS, B2B enterprise uh, type of things. And um, there I can help the most. Um, so if you're doing any SaaS application or if you're doing anything that targeted an enterprise, I definitely um, uh, will enjoy this and help. Uh, grow it as quickly as possible. 
So uh, most of your apps uh, have a, a cloud backend. There's some kind of programming in the cloud that uh, provides the data, and then the the mobile app works with that. Is that the general? Yeah. So I, I don't think we almost have any on-premise uh, service at the moment. I mean, we do have some banks when we have we still have a cloud and we have a connection to on-prem, um, and in most cases, it's already kind of in the same situation. We all, we have uh, a lot of banks that we work with, and uh, uh, a lot of them really in a cloud, uh, right. almost in the cloud. So, so for the non-bank clients, because the banks probably own all their stuff, but for a non-bank client, do you provide the cloud uh, services, or is that something that they they go get that and you just connect to their in- instances? So we help them to set up it, and uh, we have a separate partners that deal with all uh, DevOps and administration support part if needed. Uh, again, depends on the size of the things. If it's just like a few instances, it's probably fine. Um, if we're talking about thousands, it's a little bit different uh, playbook. And probably if they have a thousands of instances, they probably need to have someone inside for this. Right. I would definitely urge them to hire an inside person in this case. But if something in the middle, uh, or if they need like 24 hours uh, SLAs, uh, we have these solutions in play. And again, uh, nowadays everything is cloud, so it's like I think like approximately like 70% is uh, Amazon AWS for us right now, and the rest is mostly Azure and Google Cloud platform. Right. Well, when you think back to 2008. Uh, imagine if we go forward. What, what do you think things are going to look like in? In 2028. Okay, so um, this is a good one. So I have a, a great quote for this because uh, it was, uh, I don't remember who told this, but it was like an idea. If uh, you think that things will go uh, fast, you're probably wrong. They probably will go much faster. And if you right. think that things will go slow, they actually will go much faster than this anyway. Um, so uh, in reality, uh, again, I think, my big uh, bad right now is uh, on a space tax because uh, I think in the next uh, five, uh, eight years, we will have a completely different environment that will allow us to do a lot of things uh, using different space technologies. And I think this will change a lot of things because again, we had a move for last 10 years in the space industry so big that will allow us to move even faster in the next uh, few. And I think this will be the key. Um, in terms of mobile applications, I still believe we will have the mobile phone, uh, but probably we'll have much more engagements in a different type of uh, wearable devices. I don't know if it will be watches or if it will it'll be uh, some type of glasses. Um, I think uh, the VR place will, will play the role uh, we cannot ignore it. Uh, I still prefer the reality much more than a VR reality. <laughs> you like reality, reality? Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> real. You, you know, and I still prefer human intelligence over artificial intelligence. Uh, but at the same time, I think yeah, this will play a big role. Um, and I think in the next uh, eight years or so six years, will be quite interesting in this term. I think uh, my big bad is uh, space tech, uh, first of all, and uh, 
I would still think that we will not have a general intelligence in this time frame, uh, but uh, hopefully I will be wrong. All right. Very good. Vadim Peskov, thank you uh, from DIFCO. Thanks for being with us. And uh, I look forward to having you back. Thank you. It was nice talking to you. Thank you for tuning in to the SMB Community Podcast. If you found this useful, interesting, or fun, please subscribe, share with your friends, and give us a thumbs up on your favorite social media. Please check out the show notes at smbcommunitypodcast.com and give us your feedback.